0: Today is the day that we're honoring first responders. And so we just want you to know first responders, this is not just a one-time type of thing. We we as a church body want to pray for you. We want to lift you up. We want to encourage you. In fact, we have shared before. This morning I was up early in the morning and I heard a siren going off. And my first response was to pray for you because one of you is doing some activity and doing some work so that I could sleep, so that I could wake up in the morning, so that we could have a time here where we can worship and praise. And so we just thank you for all that that means. We know you are men and women of courage. And that courage comes from convictions that you have in your life. It comes from character that you have. And so if you have an outline, I'm going to invite you to take that out. Uh, If you have a Bible, you can open up to the book of Daniel. It's okay to find it in the table of contents. Okay, that's perfectly fine around here. Nobody's smarter because they can turn right to it. Just take a look at the beginning. Daniel's about two-thirds of the way in. Uh, But take out your outline, and I'm going to review a little bit of what we talked about last week. Um, If you were here at First Baptist, you know we are in a series called Character Under Fire, Life Lessons from the Book of Daniel. And... um, We've been looking at Daniel's life, uh, who lived a couple thousand years ago in a land called Babylon that was not too much different than the land that we today call Stockton. Um, Unruly at times, uh, scary at times, it was led by a ruthless king by the name of King Nebuchadnezzar, who came up with what he thought was a great idea, and that was to make every leader in the community bow down to an idol that he had created. And so this is a review for some of you who were here last week. But let me tell you what King Nebuchadnezzar said in Daniel chapter 3, verse 15. says, if you do not worship it, that's what King Nebuchadnezzar said, then you will be thrown immediately into a blazing furnace. Then what God will be able to rescue you from my hand? And in the midst of this, we see three teenagers who have character, three teenagers who have conviction, say, I will not, we will not bow down to your idol. It goes on to say in verse 17 and 18, but if we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it, and he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. But even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold that you have set up. So if you were here last week, this is where you know we kind of left off in the text. And you have on your outline a box that talks about the dominant life principles. And let me review these very quickly and catch us all up on this. We last week discussed how people make decisions in life. And some of them make decisions based upon circumstances that are taking place. What's happening around me? Others upon convenience. What's easiest for what I'm going to do? Other people from criticism. What are others going to think about me? And they adjust their decisions according to that. But as we talked about last week, we said, if you truly are ever going to make a difference in this world, If you're going to stand up, not only for your faith, but for what you know is right, then you will make your decisions based upon convictions. And first responders, we know that's where you are in your lives. It's why you serve. It's how you serve with excellence. It's why you run into the line of fire while everyone else is running away from the line of fire. That is not a human instinct. That happens because you have convictions. Kind of reminds me of the uh, mom who goes into her backyard and she sees her children, about three or four of her kids, who are gathered in a circle looking and ooing and awing at something in the backyard. And The mom kind of walks up. She thinks maybe it's a cat or a dog or so. She walks up. She looks inside the circle and she sees five baby skunks and a mom skunk, mother skunk, that the kids are kind of ooing around. And, and mom knows that they're not cats and dogs and what they should do. And so mom immediately, she says, Run! Run! And each of the kids pick up a skunk, and then they run. (laughs) Ignorance, perhaps. Not how you guys run. Not the way you run. You run because you're convicted. You know what's taking place. You know what's going on, and you know why you signed up for what you did. In fact, let me take a few moments and and show you a, a couple of pictures of people who I believe are people in the course of history have had convictions because people make strong decisions and they make a difference in the world because they have convictions in their lives. So let me talk to you about a young gal by the name of Kathy. At age 14, she began to tell anybody who would listen to her that people who are struggling with alcoholism are people too, they shouldn't just be cast aside. She said, alcoholics are people too, let's help them. And most people said, no, just kind of let them wander the streets and they ended up in red light districts or if they are a little bit more well-to-do, they were put in mental insane asylums. But Kathy stepped up and she began to preach about this. And she said, no, we need to help these people. In fact, even when people said, you can't share that, you're a woman, you shouldn't be speaking about this type of thing, she continued to do so. She met a man who said, I love your passion, I love your goals in life, let's get married, let's have this ministry together. And the two of them started an army that is still changing the world today because this is Catherine Booth, and if you don't recognize her name, she is the founder of the Salvation Army, someone who was convicted, someone who said, I want to make a difference. She had strong convictions in her life. Let me show you another picture. It's of a man named Joe. Joe didn't come from a wealthy family. In fact, he got to where he was by scholarship after scholarship because he was a brilliant, brilliant brilliant-minded man. At the age of 20, he had already completed two different college degrees by 20 years of age. In fact, he went to the top seminary in his land. He was going to be trained to go into ministry. But halfway through seminary, he started an underground newspaper. He started a political party that came to be known as the Communist Party because this is Joseph Stalin. And by Joseph Stalin's convictions, unfortunately, he sent many men and women to labor camps, starved millions of people into forced famine and starvation, and his convictions literally changed the lives of five generations of people on our planet. Now, I said people have convictions and they make decisions based based upon their convictions. They're not all good convictions. They're not all good decisions that they make, but they're convicted. Let me share with you about another man. His name is Clive. Again, at the young age of 14, already a brilliant student, studying one of the top schools in England, who all of a sudden came out and announced he was an atheist. He said, this God stuff doesn't make any sense. He actually became a full professor at Oxford, and it was there that he came out and said... You know what? I was wrong about this atheism thing. I do believe in a God. I do put my faith in him and in Jesus Christ. Even though he had a lot of pressure from his colleagues and other professors to told him to shut up and sit down and quit embarrassing them, he said he would not. And this man by the name of Clive is the one that we know as C.S. Lewis most famous to this generation as the author of the Chronicles of Narnia, but he was also a very outspoken Christian and had one of the most brilliant minds and well-respected lives who's ever lived because of his convictions stood up for the name of Christ. Or how about this young boy by the name of Rob? Rob actually survived the 1989 Cleveland Elementary School shooting that happened right here in Stockton, California. In fact, when you walk out our lobby and you go across our courtyard, you can look right across the courtyard and you see the playground where a man, a gunman that day walked onto that school campus with an AK-47 and opened fire on a number of students as they played at recess, 29 students, and one teacher were shot, five students were killed. Rob, Rob was a first grader on that campus shot twice, and yet Rob took what happened to him. He said, I want to make a difference. I don't want this to be happening to other students as they're out playing on the playground. And so Rob put himself through the police academy, and at the age of 21, Rob Young, Officer Rob Young, Hot was hired as a police officer with the Stock Unified School District Police Department, and he's serving today the district and in the very same school where, yard where he was shot. He now offers protection over children. In fact, I think Officer Rob was around here somewhere. Officer Rob, stand up, we wanna say thank you. <laughs> God bless you, man. God bless you. Have a seat. Now let me ask you, what do all these people have in common? What they have in common is that they made decisions not based upon circumstances or convenience or or criticism, but they made decisions based upon convictions in their lives. And today we're going to look through a couple of questions about three teenagers who also made their decisions based upon their convictions. And again, if you were here last week, I went over a couple of these questions. We already filled them in on your outline. But the first question was this, what is my core identity? What is my core identity in life? And if you were here last week, we said that there's a trump card each of us has in our lives, a trump card that gets placed that takes priority over everything else in our lives. And some people's trump card is pleasure. What is going to bring me the greatest pleasure in life? Some people's trump card is, is addictions, or maybe it's, it's the job that they feel like they're called to, or maybe it's goals and dreams, perhaps it's the finances. For Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who we're talking about today, their trump card was not their physical safety, it was not their comfort, it wasn't even about the job that they had as a governor over the land, but it was following and worshiping their God. And for you, let me talk to you first first responders one more time. Um, you make our city safe, as some of us have already said. You're the ones who chase down the bad guys when we are in our homes and or when we're sleeping at night. You're the ones who answer the, ba- the, the call for the fires that are taking place and you leave the comfort of your home and your fire station to go out and battle the blaze. You provide EMS. You provide those services on the way to the hospital, to f- um, uh, life-sustaining measures. Uh, Dispatchers, you answer the 911 calls and connect people with people who can make a difference. Chaplains who are here, you do some of those same things and you come alongside the first responders uh, with your time, with your counsel, with your prayer support. And to have courage like you do doesn't just happen, especially in difficult situations. See, all of us hear the unfortunate shootings that go on around the country, but maybe we don't hear enough about the shootings that are thwarted in, in the name of an officer doing his or her job. Much like what happened in Dixon, Illinois, with Officer Mark Dallas. On May the 16th of this year, just a few months ago, Officer Dallas stopped a school shooting as there was a 19-year-old former student who opened fire at a graduation rehearsal in his former school. When everyone else ran away, Officer Dallas ran towards the gunman. In fact, what the chief of police said there in Dixon, Illinois, he said, I could not be more proud of the police officer and the way he responded to this situation. With shots ringing out through the hallways of the school, he charged towards the suspect and confronted him head on. Because of his heroic action, countless lives were saved. And in fact, in that situation, there were no lives lost. You look at someone like that. You say, that doesn't just happen Because of waking up one day and saying, I want to make a difference. It happens because of the convictions we have. In fact, he's been called a hero, but as Officer Dallas says, he doesn't see himself that way. As often true heroes say, he says, I was just doing my job. Because heroism happens in the moment, but not just that moment. It happens because there are months upon months upon years of making the right decisions, of having the convictions, and they train and they prepare. And when the challenge comes, that's when the decision is made. And it's in that moment that what you do defines who you are. In that moment when you take that step. See, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they stood when everyone else bowed down. That revealed their true identity. And honestly, so many people see them now, even wherever the Bible is taught, as heroes in their day and age because they had the convictions to stand. You know what C.S. Lewis says about this? I briefly shared about C.S. Lewis. Let me read a quote. C.S. Lewis says, Courage is not simply one of the virtues but the form of every virtue at the testing point. You put those virtues together and the testing point comes, what decision do you make? In fact, Martin Luther King Jr. said it like this. He said, the ultimate measure of a man, and I will add woman as well, is not where he or she stands in moments of comfort and convenience, but where he or she stands at times of challenge and controversy. And for those of you who are first responders, we know that that is tested with you probably daily, if not weekly. For others of you who we have jobs that maybe don't put our lives online, still convictions are what guide your decisions. And those decisions that are played out form who you are and what your core identity is. It reveals it. And so last week we ended by then talking about a second question, and that was, what do I believe about my God? What do I actually believe about my God? Because we discussed in chapter, in, in chapter 3, verses 17 and 18, that no matter what, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said, our God is able. He can save us from this fiery furnace. But even if he does not, it's okay. If he chooses not to save us, it's all right. We know we're going to do the right thing because it is our conviction. And that leads us into the two questions I wanted to ask today. So if you have them on your backside, if you have a pen or a pencil, you can fill these in, and they are this. What do I believe God, excuse me, let me say it this way. Do I believe that God is always with me? Do I believe that God is always with me? See, when King Nebuchadnezzar saw the three teenage boys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, weren't going to bow down, he orders the furnace to be seven times hotter than it had been before, which is really his way of saying, get it as hot as it can go. And look what it says in verse 22 and 23. It says, the king's command was so urgent and the furnace so hot, that the flames of the fire killed the soldiers who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, firmly tied, fell into the blazing furnace. And then something amazing happens. Watch this. This is an amazing part of the story. Not only did God decide to uh, spare the life of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego as verse 17 and 18 says he could do. But God sent someone to be with them. Look at verse 24 and 25. It's up on the screen. Then King Nebuchadnezzar leapt to his feet in amazement and asked his advisors, weren't there three men that were tied up and thrown into the fire? They said, yes, your majesty, there most certainly was. But he said, look, look. I see four. I see four men walking around in the fire, unbound and unharmed, and the fourth looks like a son of the gods. Now, let me ask this question. God bless you. Woo! Let me ask this question. The Bible doesn't say exactly who this fourth one is, but let me ask you, who do you know Who can walk through walls? Who do you know who has cheated death? And who do you know that looks like the Son of God? Who? Jesus. Jesus. Yeah. Many theologians believe this was the pre-incarnate Jesus of the Trinity sent to be with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego as they were in this fiery furnace. And I guess I look at that and I say, isn't it good to know? That we have a God who when the most trying of times come, he shows up. He he doesn't just send us off to face those times on our own, but he is actually there with us. And if you pick up your Bible and read through it, as we encourage you to do here at First Baptist, you'll see time and time and time and time again. Look at the book of Joshua. In Joshua, he says, I will never leave you I will never give up on you. In the book of John, John chapter 14, he says, I will never leave you as an orphan. I will come to be with you. In fact, in the book of Hebrews, again, it's reiterated I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. You will always have someone walking with you. In other words, folks of First Baptist, in other words, first responders, in other words, anybody who can hear my voice, included online, in your fiery furnace moments, you have a God who walks with you. Amen. 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 Understand that on your next call. Understand that when you go to work tomorrow. Understand that when you face difficulties in your home or in relationships or with your children or with your grandchildren or with your spouse. You have a God who believes that about you and walks with you. Do you believe that? That's the question. Do you believe that about your God? Now, I'm going to come back to that in just a moment, talk a little bit more on that. But let me share the fourth question with you. The fourth question I think as you answer these for your own life will make a huge difference in what you are doing with your life. Here's the fourth question. Do I use my influence for good and for God? Do I use my influence for good and for God? See, after King Nebuchadnezzar sees that these three teenagers are not charred to a crisp, he says this in verse 26. Second part, he says, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego servants of the Most High God, come out and come here. See, he knows now what they stood for. Their convictions had influence even over the king. It goes on to say, So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out of the fire and the satraps, the prefects, the governors, the royal advisors crowded around them and they saw that the fire had not harmed their bodies nor was a hair of their head singed, their robes were not scorched and there was no smell of fire on them. I mean, can you imagine this? Here are these guys that come around, they want to get the royal sniff, right? Nose up in the air. Not a hint of smoke. Man, I get around a campfire and I am smelling like f- smoke for days. These guys had nothing. Scripture was, 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 was very detailed to even apply that. Nothing smelt like smoke. Verse 28. Then Nebuchadnezzar said... Praise be to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego who has sent his angel and rescued his servants. They trusted in him, defied the king's command. They were willing to give up their lives rather than serve or worship any god except their own. In other words, when the fire got hot, they stayed true to their convictions." And the king ends up promoting these three. He says, if you can take a stand like that, I want you in leadership in my country. And this respect for them goes through the roof. And they gained great credibility. And everywhere that we teach this scripture, these three guys, teenagers, literally are seen as heroes because they stood up for their convictions. You know, most often, heroism doesn't find us. But, or, excuse me, let's say it this way. Heroism finds us. We don't find it. You, you don't set out to be a hero in a day. It, 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 it finds us. And in fact, what heroism is, is it's doing the right thing at the right time for the right reason, regardless of the cost. That's what heroism is. Let me say it again. It's doing the right thing at the right time. For the right reason, regardless of the cost. And these three stepped up. As it says in verse 17 and 18 again, just going back in the story, the reason they are heroes today is because they said, we're not going to bow down to your idol. Our God will save us. But even if he doesn't, we're still going to do what's right. We're still going to do what's right. And that's my encouragement to each and every one of us hearing my voice today. Have those kind of convictions that you still do what is right. Even though in verse 18 they say, but even if our God does not save us, we will still do it. You know, we don't have to go very far in the news to understand that sometimes there are first responders who God doesn't save in our way of thinking Those who may go into the fire or into the line of fire, and they may lose their lives in the midst of that. And it's in those moments that I want to encourage you and I want to challenge you to realize that you still have a God who loves you. Maybe some of your family members, maybe it was even years ago that you lost a husband or a wife or a mom or a dad in the line of fire. This last year, across the United States, we lost 268 first responders, 23 of those right here in the state of California. And I think it's in those moments, though, that we're reminded that our God still walks with us. And I hope you're reminded that he calls others to walk with us as well. That's why we show the Connect video. Have connection around you. And he has people in our lives to still give us comfort and to walk through those fires together. And so we're going to play a video that says thank you for what you men and women have done. Yes, it'll look at some of the deaths and some of the losses, but I hope more than that, it looks to say that there are people who walk through this with you. Take a look. It's
1: like a storm Cuts a path, it breaks your will. It feels like that. You think you're lost, but you're not lost on your own. You're not alone. I will stand by you. I will. You go? no, I won't.
0: God, we're reminded of those words, that there is no greater love than one lay down their life for another. And so Lord, even as we're here on this day to honor those who are fighting the good fight, to be honored because of their calling in this society, Lord, I pray that they will again know that they're prayed for, that they're cared for, that we value them in so many ways. And God, for those who have gone on before them and in the line of duty have lost their lives, we again pray for their families who are left behind. I pray that they will know that they're not forgotten. Lord, I'm reminded of the phrase that even in those moments when we don't understand why that takes place, that you are God and you are good. You are so good, even in those difficult moments, those difficult times. And God, we see an example where you saved three teenagers who stood upon their convictions. We don't always understand why the good don't win out. But Lord, we know that ultimately you are good and you are God and you have called us to Lord to take steps with you. Lord, you have called us to walk with you with conviction. And I pray that every one of these first responders will know, God, that you are walking right with them. God, I pray that every one of us here in this auditorium who hear my voice now or on the internet will know that no matter what we are going through in our days, God, you promise to walk with us even as you walk with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fiery times, in the line of fire, in the fire. God, you are there to do that with us. And so this week, God, we know you're going to be there. You've already promised to be, but may we be aware of your presence. May we be aware that you are right beside us. And God, may we continue to look up because ultimately you were the one who laid your life down for us. We thank you for Jesus and what he did on the cross. No greater love has a man than to lay his life down for another. And God, we know that you sent your son Jesus into this world to do just that. That's why we celebrate him. That's why we praise him. That's why we pray to you through the name of Jesus. And that's why we say thank you. And so let me just ask you, folks, if you have not taken the step to develop a relationship with Jesus, why not start today? Even as you heard some testimonies, even as you've heard some videos and seen videos, you don't have to go through this on your own. Folks, Jesus is waiting to walk with us. It's as simple as praying a prayer of salvation. To pray, Lord Jesus, I invite you to come into my life to forgive me of the sins and the wrong that I've done. And today I want to say yes to you. I want to walk with you through life. If that's a simple prayer of your heart, I'd be most honored if you come talk to me after the service just to let me know that you're wanting to take that step. You can pray that prayer right now. So many across this auditorium already have. Lord Jesus, I want to walk with you. Thank you for choosing to walk with me. God, thank you for this day. Thank you for a time that we can honor those who serve so diligently in our community. And Lord, as we stand and sing one last worship song, I pray that we might always keep our eyes focused upon you because your eyes are focused on us. You love us. You care for us. Thank you. Thank you. May we walk according to your ways, for it's in the name of Jesus we now pray. Amen.